Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. With some guys that we work with as athletes, it's about showing them a new future they never knew existed in terms of how they should, mm-hmm. how they think about their life. For Andrew, it was less that and reminding of what he already knew, if that made sense. Yeah, like, sure. like the, those things that were already there and that's why he was the captain of two teams and that's why he was a champion. And that's like, there, there, there are all these like values and substructure in his life that were there, but almost like, I think I've noticed this in my own life, I forget. On this episode of Beyond High Performance, we have an episode from the team at Novus Global Sport. I, Dan Leffelar, along with Johan martinez Kalilian, alongside MLB agent Matt Hannaford, interview Andrew Ladd, two-time Stanley Cup champion and founder of 1616. In this episode, Andrew outlines how an injury turned into not only a turning point for his playing career, but a catalyst for major change and re-sparking passion in his life. One result of this spark is 1616, a nonprofit focused on educating thousands of young hockey players with mental health skills to aid them in the challenges they face on and off the ice. Andrew, Dan, Matt, and Johan discuss Andrew's journey back into the NHL lineup and playing in his 1000th game and how coaching gave him the tools he needed to reestablish his feeling of purpose. We hope you enjoy the show. Are you looking to become a coach? Are you looking to grow in your ability to coach others towards amazing results? Coaching is a booming industry, and with certifications everywhere, it's hard to know where to start or who to trust to train you to make a real difference in the lives of others. That's where the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching comes in. This isn't just an online course that you buzz through so you can call yourself a coach. At the Meta Performance Institute, you get to learn from coaches with thriving coaching practices, phenomenal track records, and some of the most successful clients in the world. The content is tailored to you, depending on where you are and your coaching abilities. We have courses for people at every level, whether you're starting completely from scratch or you already have a six-figure coaching practice, the Meta Performance Institute can help you get to the next level in serving others powerfully. To take our free assessment and see if the Meta Performance Institute is right for you, just go to www.mp.institute. That's www.mp for metaperformance.institute. We'd love to work with you. I'm really excited. I mean, you know why Chicago, and we're going to talk about Chicago the whole episode. No, so, we're not. Right? Let's not. Is no. that the agenda today? I I don't know. Maybe what? You know, at, at one point I actually thought he still lived in Chicago. We had a <laughs> oh yes, call that's set true. up, and I called him that's on like, Central Time, yes. and he's like, "You're two hours early." I said, "Chicago? Are you in Chicago?" And I was like, "No, I live on the West Coast now." <laughs> well, you talk about Chicago so much, you might as well move back. It's Literally. the best city in the world. Yeah. Well, there we go. And and Andrew Ladd. Uh, um, probably doesn't need an introduction. We'll we'll do that beforehand too. But you know, we've got a, a two-time Stanley Cup champion here. We've got a captain here. We've got a guy who is not only um, cares about the game and and want to just an incredible hockey sense, but also somebody who cares a lot about people um, through his foundation. And we'll talk about that too a little bit. But Andrew, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here in person. Come on now, right? He so came all the way. He most the important way. question. Which deep dish place in Chicago? Oh, see, wow. I, we just had this conversation. Yeah. I don't like deep dish. <laughs> I feel like we've had this conversation so I, before, you know, the too. People did. I wanted, I just wanted, yeah, so I, you just yeah. bring it up. I want the whole world to know. Trauma, <laughs> New York or Chicago, which peach is better? He's going to say New York. I know. Yeah. It's because he was, he, you know, both places, New York, Chicago. But knows, we all man. know it's Chicago. So deep where dish. in Chicago? Number one deep dish? Yeah. So Pequod's Pizza, I would say, is the 
underneath the radar place. And then Lou Malnati's is probably the most well-known. I'm going to go with either one of those. Let's let's bring it back to Andrew Ladd, the uh, the guest, because I, I, as much as he flew all the way from Phoenix, Long Arizona, flight. Phoenix, yeah. uh, to, to, to join us to talk about deep dish pizza. Not Chicago. Not <laughs> Chicago. Um, no, man, I, I'm just, it's, it's a real honor to have someone who I care a lot about as a friend, but also someone who gets um, this conversation really well, both as a leader, but as a player. So I just want to dive into that conversation. Um, so can you tell us, first of all, for people who don't know what the last, I think most people you can go on the internet and figure out, you know, the first chunk of your career um, is pretty self-explanatory. What isn't is the last number of years, I'd say probably the last four years, especially like right before COVID and a lot of things happened. And, and I know that most people don't know that story because when you were playing this season, I would regularly get people going, that he's still playing in the NHL. <laughs> like, like people didn't know what happened to you. And um, maybe just for, for the, the listeners out there, hockey fans, especially like um, what, what were the last four years? Like what happened? Take us through that little bit of a context and then we can dump and dive into the story. Well, so I, four years ago now, um, we, I come off like pretty disappointing season, I guess I would say like I had 13 goals. This is with the Islanders. With the Islanders. Um, they fired the coaching staff, fired the GM. So we had new coaching staff, new GM. And I played 10, 10 to 20, I think 10 games. And um, I had knee surgery. So I, I my right meniscal tear of my right knee. So I was out for three and a half months, came back, played 10 more games, and then got blindsided. Um, someone took my knee, my left <coughs> knee out, and then blew that knee out. So ACL, MCL. Um, wow. meniscus who who was it who blew your knee up uh who was it remember kempy it was Kemp, kempy wasn't it yeah not the guy in la his his brother his brother yeah so yeah if you're listening <laughs> you <Yeah>. suck <laughs> <laughs> yeah he texted me after so he, he apologized nice <laughs> enough to apologize but he still sucks um <laughs> yeah so so that was kind of the the start and i remember the i was having a conversation the coach said to me after i i kind of had surgery and he was like, Hey, like, if you don't, you know, we've got to be careful with this. Cause this might be it for you. And I was like, huh? Interesting. Well, what, what, How old are you at the time? Oh yeah, good. I was four years ago. So I was 30, 32, 33, yeah. 32, 33. Yeah. Yeah. And why do you think the coach said that to you? I don't know. Um, it was odd though. It was odd to me. Cause it never crossed my mind. Yeah. So it was kind of, kind of the first time I was like, Oh, like, is he thinking like, I can't play anymore. Um, I'm not, you would have to ask him his reasoning for saying that. Well, we can, um, he's, he's, he's not busy. That is true. He's yeah. free right now. He's free now, but, um, yeah. So, it, it, so that was kind of the first time when I was like, okay, so like I spent that whole summer rehabbing, um, and this, and just to slow that down was up until that point in your career, like, and it's not that it was easy for you because I know it wasn't, but you had always been in the lineup. You had always been playing a, a, a pretty important role in the teams that you had played on. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I would say like the first few years, three years of my career um, before I got to Chicago, I was, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't a sure thing to be in lineup night in, night out. Yeah. Um, so I, at that point, I was still kind of a younger battling prospect that had potential, yeah. but I was battling to to stay in lineup. And, and I think as a player, you're always your goal is to 
to be an everyday player. Yeah. Um, so at that time, I wouldn't say I, w I was there yet. So like I, I'd gone through that at the start of my career, but definitely from the time I got to Chicago till, um, you know, signing that deal in, in New York and in my first uh, two or three years there, um, you know, yeah, everyday player and, and a big part of teams. And um, so, yeah, it was at that point I was like, okay, like what's not, I don't know. I just wasn't sure. I guess I was focused on my, my rehab and that, but I was starting to think of like, okay, like I need to come back and need to, to be impactful when I come back. Um, and for more context, you had signed, uh, was it a five year, five deal? Seven years, seven. It was a seven year. Wow. Seven year deal. Um, out of uh, free agency. So, so a big, a big deal, a big contract, a lot of expectation that you were going to be a certain type of impact on this team. And, and it's, it's not quite going the way you want. And then you get hurt and then you're rehabbing. For sure. And I think the, the important context too is I, there's, I think you're always weary when new people come in, especially mm -hmm. a GM that didn't sign you. Um, Matt, I'm sure you've probably come across mm -hmm. this a few times where it's like, Hey, if, if you're not someone's guy, the, that leash becomes sure. a lot shorter. So I was, I, I was, I was weary of that too, I think. But, um, so I was coming back from injury and, and, um, also important to note, like this, you know, I think through this process, I, I started to understand like, Hey, like that's their prerogative as a GM, as a coach, they're entitled to their own opinion. And, and I have to figure out what I can do within myself with yeah. what's in front of me. So, uh, they didn't like what they saw. They, you know, your knee doesn't look great. Like go play some games in the minors and, uh, we'll see how it goes. So, so there's a, there's a, a fork in the story. I want to slow down a little bit because, and I'm curious <laughs> about here from a baseball perspective with you, Matt, but like how many guys, cause there's a, there's a choice there. You can get bitter, uh, in more entitled, mm -hmm. like they don't know what they have, you know, screw them. <laughs> That whole conversation, and then that that can become the cancer of any future success for an athlete. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, a question. I think the important thing for any player, like I'm, I'm always focused with my guys on like the mental outlook on things. Yeah. When you deal with injury, it's so easy to kind of fall into this not depression, but you know, on some level, you feel like everything is outside of your control. And I think the natural narrative for a lot of guys is. Uh, this is happening and I'm getting screwed and it's not fair. And like, if you start telling yourself fair, that every day, yep. right? Like this shouldn't be happening, yep. right? Someone is, you know, this, this happened because, you know, whether it's this guy came after me or the team doesn't want me to come back, you know, you kind of have to rationalize with them and say, well, look, I want to address this team doesn't want you to come back mm -hmm. thing because why wouldn't the team want you to come back? Yeah. Right. And let's like, yeah. let's actually have that conversation. And my goal in doing that is, um, just like, let's start coloring really these comments so that they can see really quickly whether there's truth to it or wow. whether there's not. And so I think, you know, you're, you're describing your story. I think the, the most important thing is really getting you to wrap your head around, like, let's talk about this outlook and like, how do we empower you to be able to kind of approach this in the most positive way you can. And then we'll be able to kind of, yeah. you know, handle these challenges yeah. as they come in a much more you know, uh, beneficial way. Yeah. We talk about it in our work, like, and Joe, you can just pipe in if you want, but there, there's like, uh, <clears throat> people get stuck at certain parts of their journey. Like they get stuck usually in bitterness or resentment and then they live there and they live the rest of their story out from, from that place. 
So I got screwed over by so-and-so or so-and-so injured me, right? And and then that's the loop. It just becomes a loop in the narrative. And even when somebody tries to, you know, offer another perspective, often it's just resistant. Sure. It's like, well, like you don't understand. Uh-huh. But what's interesting about you, Andrew, is you weren't. And I'm curious at some, well, you were. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't. I, I would say like, that's obviously when we first met yeah. as well, um, which is the other part of the story. I, th- I think at that point, mentally, I was fried. You were. <clears throat> and I remember having that conversation with you of like, I don't I don't get excited playing hockey anymore. I'm like, yeah. it's just like not the same as it used It's just to be. a job. It was a job, but I was just like numb to, numb to it. Like but not I, just I, hockey. I you were numb, numb to a lot, a lot of places. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I internalize everything. So it's just like, I'm cycling through all sorts of different scenarios in my head. And, you know, my wife's sitting over there by, you know, and she's like, what's going on in this guy's head right now? And, um, and you're not telling her, I'm anything. not telling her. And, and she, you know, then I'm starting to sort of wear off, you know, with mm-hmm. her and with the kids and, yeah. and, um, things that I, you know, I just didn't want to happen. So that was actually the, my, my wife was like, Hey, you should talk to someone at this point. Um, which was a, a, a you know a key moment for me, and luckily for me, I was I was driving from Long Island to Bridgeport with another player um, at that time, and he had worked with Dan. So we had the conversation came up in the car on the way to Bridgeport, yeah. Connecticut, and he was like, "Hey, like, yeah, you should reach out to the guy that I use and and have a conversation, see see if it goes anywhere." So that's when I started talking to Dan, and I would say I was I was. I've always been someone who, if I have time to like take in all the information and see where I'm at, I can come up with kind of the best course of action forward. So for me, Dan was, was able to lay out like, Hey, like this is where you are, which, you know, you could handle it this way or this way or this way, which way seems like Mm -hmm. it fits with you. Um, and and that's kind of was where I was starting to reframe. Okay. Okay. Like if I want to get out of this eventually, me being pissed off at this guy and this guy, or being miserable going to Bridgeport every day doesn't help me, doesn't help my family, and it's not going to get me out of here, that's for sure. Yeah. So that that was kind of the start of the process of really having that mindset throughout yeah. the journey from there. Yeah. Like and the thing that the thing that comes to mind, especially with you, Ladder, is like um it wasn't about with Andrew, with some guys that we work with as athletes, it's about showing them a new future they never knew existed in terms of how they should mm-hmm. how they think about their life. For Andrew, it was less that and reminding of what he already knew, if that made sense. Yeah, like, sure. like the, those things that were already there. And that's why he was the captain of two teams. And that's why he was a champion. And that's like, there, there, there are all these like values and substructure in his life that were there. But almost like, I think I've noticed this in my own life. I forget, like I forget my identity. I forget who right. I am, especially sometimes when <clears throat> it's hitting the fan. And and so that's, that, that's definitely... Um, what I noticed early on in the conversations with Andy. Well, I think it was interesting because, and all of us are married, yeah? Mm-hmm. Everybody's married. So- I, I um, left my wedding ring Yeah, that's why, I'm, that's why I don't, I don't know about you. <laughs> but, because um, I think even, <laughs> I probably have the yo- the youngest marriage here. I think you do. How long have you been It'll married? be two years. So I have, I have the youngest marriage here. And I've, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but even in that two years, there's, there's ebbs and flows, right? There's mm-hmm. how do I revive the romance? And it sounds like even like there was a part of your career where you, you was like, oh, I'm numb. Like, how do you bring the romance back to 
the sport that you love, right? Instead of being like, I'm just going to write it out, collect some paychecks, phone it in, and just do whatever. Is is there something that you kicked into to revi- revive that romance for the sport? Oh, yeah, there was a few things. I, and I think like, uh, I think I was, my game was centered around like intensity and bringing that intensity. I, and for, I think for a long time, I thought like it was, it was intensity. Mm-hmm. I think through this process, I think it was, I learned it was excitement. Mm-hmm. And what, what, what did I get excited about within the game? How do I connect to that excitement, whether it be past um, or present? that can get me to the point of like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to, to play tonight or I'm ready to go to the rink and enjoy myself even on a practice day. And what can I do? And, and it would have sh- it shifted really through that process did, of yeah. like, Hey, what can I, how can I serve other people? Um, at that point in the minors. So you get a bunch of kids that are seeing a guy who's played in the NHL for 15 years, come to the minors. Like <laughs> what can that mean to them? Yeah. Right. Um, and I enjoyed that. Like I, I, it was fun going to the rink and showing them different stuff and, and having fun with, you know, 20, 22 year old kids that are, you know, at, right. at, you know, flying by the seat of their pants at, at that point. Like that was fun for me. Um, so that was something we tapped into at that moment was like, yeah. Hey, like I can serve them. I can have fun with them uh, and be a mentor. And, and that, that can be a meaningful part of this process. So that was, that was a big way that I did it within, in those moments. Yeah. The, the numbness that you're describing, would you say that it came from, was there like a resentment built up about the business? And I'm, I'm asking the question because I feel like with a lot of the athletes, whether whatever sport, they love the sport they play. When they sign professionally, it's a dream come true. Is that fair to say? Right? Yeah. You know what's funny with me is I, like I... <laughs> He's an odd duck. I was like, the only guy, <laughs> the only guy. <laughs> the only <athlete. laughs> wasn't I didn't think I had a chance to play pro ever until I was 18 years old. So when you're the fourth overall pick out of the draft, yeah. that when that moment comes, yeah. you've got to be like outside yourself thinking, this Holy is incredible. Yeah. Like this is, I can't believe this is real. For sure. Is that, okay. Yeah. So then you're in the NHL, you're having success, you sign your big contract this period of time that you're going through where you're struggling and like this numbness that you describe, is it a result of seeing the business and and it like hitting you in the face and how decisions are made and how, mm. wow, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. Is it is that kind of going through you and you're realizing like, oh, this is like depressing. Like this isn't what I thought this whole thing was, was about. Is that what it is? Uh, I don't, no, I don't think so. I think for me, it was like hammering the same nail over and over and over again. It was like, so like I, for me to get to a place to perform, I had a certain way of doing it, whether it was kicking the shit out of myself yeah. or, um, you know, having that no off switch. So I was on all the time. Got it. And I think that over time kept wearing and wearing. And I, I didn't understand there was a different way where I could try different ways to see if something would hit. Sure. Like, hey, is there a different way I can do this where I don't I don't beat myself up or I can get away from the game and and that can be valuable for me coming back and being excited about what I'm doing the you know the next day or um you know I think all the bullshit that comes with pro sports in general is that's separate to me. To me this was just like strictly stripped down to like loving the game. Yeah. 
and that's in its purest form. I, I wasn't, I didn't love what I was doing anymore. And, and part of the journey coming back was like, Hey, finding that, that love again. Cause well, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying that's fascinating. Well, yeah. Cause with, and as, so it's kind of a interesting situation. Cause I had, I was riding shotgun for this whole thing. Yeah. For, right. for this portion of the story. Right. And, and when you're the one thing I saw so I, when I first met Andrew, I could tell he was tired. Like there was fatigue and not, I don't mean physical fatigue. I mean, like you could see the, like his adrenal glands are shot. Yeah. yeah. Like 15, 14 years of, of like ramping yourself up and playing with one system. And I want actually the thought that I had, as you were saying that Andrew was like, if you're talking to young players, cause there's, I, I hear that in young players that I work with, like there, there's one way to do it. There's one way to get like to the, and there, it eliminates all these other possible options that could actually maybe even work more effectively. Right. Um, and what was interesting is that I think you, at that, at least at that stage, and we'll get into the rest of the story, but at that stage in your career, you were, you were willing to try something else like, cause it wasn't working anymore. Yeah, it, it's, and I, I think my, my, what, what would I tell younger players? Um, mm. don't wait till it's not working. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny, right? Cause like, when do people search for help? Yeah when they're in trouble, mm -hmm. right? And I mean, that's a lesson everybody learns, but like, yeah. you know, you see in sports all the time, like when is a guy, you know, until something doesn't work, guys don't switch or try different things. And if you actually look at the elite players, they're constantly in Doing search yep. of like, how do I tinker and how do I get better? Um, and, and I think the biggest switch for me was like, I was doing that physically mm. with different mm -hmm. aspects of, skill and strength and conditioning and all that different stuff i wasn't doing it mentally so if i could go back i would i would add that to the repertoire of like okay what can i do Early to on. to keep adding to my my repertoire and and searching for mm -hmm. searching for better things and i think that's the thing because there's there's so many people so many players that search us out we would say in times of pain as opposed to times of peace you know yeah. and even like what that's the thing that i think you know we're trying to figure out is like how do you create um a new narrative where it's like you're not going to get somebody to fix you you're gonna you're actually building a team so that you can be as mo as powerful as possible yeah um it, it's yeah it, it's interesting because like I'm, I'm i'm literally in the middle of building a program for for 10 year old kids that's that's very similar to to the work that i'm doing and it's with that in mind of like, you, we need to take what we're doing physically and apply that to the, the mental side. Mm -hmm. um, because it's so, so valuable and no one's thinking of it. So I think it is, it's coming and moving that way. And I know even some of the younger kids, but they're doing it to be the best hockey players they can be, right. the best baseball players, the best basketball players. Um, and I think there's a lack of understanding just in terms of like how that will affect your life mm -hmm. or you as a person, um, which in turn will help you be a better hockey player, a better baseball player, a better basketball player. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I've learned through throughout this is like the happier I am at home with my wife and my kids, with my family and friends, like that translates yeah. to me showing up at the rink the next day and being excited and Ready enjoying life. Well, and that's the thing is like one of my young hockey guys, you know, 16 years old. And 
he had, in the beginning he's like why do we talk about integrity so much like why can't because essentially he's like Andrew why loves that well because that's the thing he's like why aren't you just giving me mindset tricks yeah yeah that helped me that hacks. helped me when right. I'm on the ice because that's all I'm trying to get better at yeah and it was helping him understand it's like hey this is this you are a human being you are on the ice you're at home you're at school you're doing a whole bunch and what if integrity was the engine that makes everything work and it didn't click in the beginning, but then he started to see, oh, yeah, I'm late to school and this is happening. Oh, I, I lied to my parents and this is happening. Oh, so this whole big machine is all connected to this integrity thing. If I start to really upgrade that, I have way more power on the eyes and off. Yeah, there's no substitute for hard work, right? Uh, and that's works, again, physically and mentally. mentally. So you have to build those habits mentally, like you have that foundation and then you can start building on top of that. But I think this day and age, I mean, we, we see it all the time with just different gadgets. You go into a locker room, you have, you know, 20 guys doing 20 different things because I think it's going to give them that that little right. edge. Um, and we're constantly looking for that quick fix as an athlete. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think when you get towards the end of the journey, you realize like, okay, like there is no quick fix. Mm -hmm. It's like the day in, day out, how can you build habits that build enough, like a, a big enough foundation that you you can do it day in, day out? Because that, that repetition is what's gonna take you the longest way. We have some exciting news to share with you. But first, have you ever wondered what tools and techniques our coaches use to do what they do at Novus Global? Or maybe you've just wanted a one-stop resource for coaching that you can use with yourself and those you lead. Well, for the past several years, we've been working on a book that shows you how to do just that. It's 250 pages where we pull back the curtain to show you our method for helping leaders go beyond high performance. We packed this thing as full as we could with great tips content, and stories from our clients and coaches on how they apply the tools we use every day in work and leadership. And while our book won't be out until this summer, we wanted to give you an opportunity to begin engaging with the material right now. To do that, go to novus.global backslash book where you can sign up to be a part of the Beyond High Performance Network, where we'll be handing out advanced copies and chapters from the book, doing free interactive webinars with our top clients and coaches, and other free resources and surprises that I think you are going to love. So if you don't want to wait until the summer to get access to the book, if you're longing to be part of a network of leaders that all want to go beyond high performance, or if you simply want more free resources from our world to help you and your team, then head over to novus.global backslash book and sign up today. I do want to, I do, I, I pulled up. So for those of you listening, uh, if you want to check out Andrew's foundation, if you Instagram 1616, like 1616 LF, uh, and there's a quote that I pulled up and I just really like the quote because it quotes really, great quotes I, are good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> quote I'm talking I know about. exactly the quote you're talking yeah. about. It's, it's easier to build strong children than repair broken adults. And, and, um, like for their program, um, and shameless plug, cause I, I believe in this work a lot and I believe in the ability to make it free for kids. They're uh, the lad foundation is raising money right now, uh, to make this program free for kids all across uh, North America for hockey, uh, who are 10 year olds. And, um, the one thing that stuck out in this conversation that you were just having about this is like, I think players think, oh, when I'm in trouble, I'll ask for help. Not realizing that help, if you want to do anything 
worthwhile. If you want to climb Everest, you need a Sherpa. <laughs> like you, you need, you need support. You need a team. You, if you're going to do something significant in your life and your thought is I'm going to do this by myself, you're probably, it's probably not significant enough. Right. Right. Like how, what does it look like to really? And so kind of back into your story a little bit. Um, so you're injured, you're in Bridgeport. We start talking, but it doesn't get better. The circumstances don't get better, uh, at least initially. So can we talk about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's actually, we, uh, so I spent that the, the pretty much the whole year in the, the minors, minors building to like, Hey, can I get another chance playing the NHL? So I finally get called back up. Um, <laughs> when was it? it was, end of the year, March. end of the year, March something. Yeah. Everybody will know the date in a second, but, um, <laughs> So I get called up, I play a game at home, played well, and then we fly to Vancouver, play a game in Vancouver. Score. Score a goal. Get on the shootout. They put you on the put shootout. You never do that. Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty good at that for a while. Um, so uh, the next day, they shut the league down, COVID. Oh. So. Um, just, and just to slow that down for yeah. a second. You've been working and working and working. You get called up. You score a goal, you're producing, and then literally the whole world shuts down the next day. Like, and I know that's like a story for a lot of people. Like a lot of people probably had moments like things were going great and then COVID happened, but just talk about being it's, Yeah, it still deserves a call out. Like yeah. that, that's- <laughs> Right, no, that's big. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, no. So then COVID happens and we have, what was it? Two months layoff before mm -hmm. they, we had the bubble. The, so we'd playoffs in a bubble. Um, so I come back for kind of like a mini training camp for playoffs and I'm skating with two AHL guys. And I was like, oh, so like if you're, if you're coming back and you're, you're, I mean, you can pretty much see, see yeah. the tea leaves, whoever you're playing with is usually a good indication of the opportunity that's coming ahead. Um, and I was like, I wasn't, wasn't in the mix at all. So I was like, okay, <laughs> back to square one, <laughs> back here. to square one. So um, now at this point, I mean, I have a wife and three kids at home, so going to spend two months, two and a half months in a, mm. you know, in a hotel away from them, um, was tough, man. I was like practicing every day and thinking, Hey, like, I'm probably not going to have a sniff at, at playing here. The team's doing well, which, you know, obviously is, is great. You like want your buddies to do well and have success, but if you're not a part of it, you don't feel a part of it. Like mm. there's. You, you, you know, it's, it's kind of an empty feeling when mm -hmm. you're there, you just feel like you're there for no reason. So, um, we, yeah, our we had a good team. We made it to the Eastern conference finals and, uh, we're skate after skate one day <laughs> it was their game before game two of the Eastern conference finals. I guess the Stanley cup champions that year, that year, um, they're like, Hey, yeah, you're going to play tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So they threw me in game two of the Eastern Conference Finals that I hadn't played in four months, five months. Wow. So I was like, okay. So I played played that game. Um, I Yeah. And I was out the last minute of the game, which is. It was, it was an odd. It was like, what is happening? Like, well, yeah. Did somebody get injured? Like, what was the. You, no, I was just. It was they just, were tinkering the line. They were tinkering yeah. the lineup. So okay. like, hey, like we think you can help. I guess they thought I, would, I could help or maybe. Um, so threw me in, uh, I was out the last minute of the ice, screwed up an assignment, basically last minute. Um, the story just keeps getting better. Yeah. So screwed up. I screwed up an assignment and then we had, uh, 
it led to a scoring chance and then they came back and went seam the guy scored with you know like 10 seconds left they won game two um so that was it that was that was the end of that experiment um so then we ended up losing in six six games yeah. so after the bubble um so go back um by the way this was a great commercial for our work because at this point right. we've been working together for a year and how many nhl games did you play oh, i give dan a hard time i'm like yeah you're the best sports or <laughs> mental performance coach of all time i played four games in <laughs> two years, two years. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like yeah that's yeah i'd fire me too <laughs> <laughs> um so so yeah it was kind of like okay recalibrate let's see what you know and, and at that point i'm like hey like you know, trade's probably my only option. So I'm sitting there hoping for at least a fresh start somewhere else. How much, how much, how many more years are left on this deal? Three. Well, yeah, it was the fourth year and then going down to three. Yeah. yeah so I had three years left after that, the bubble. Um, so same kind of thing, going to training camp and I could see writing on the wall, like, yeah, okay. Probably like salary cap. Why wasn't in a great position um, to, uh, to make the team and, you know, if it hasn't happened in a year and a half, it's probably not going to happen at that point. But either way, it's, you know, prepared like I would. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so after training camp, they, I was pretty much stuck in no man's land because they didn't want me to, I couldn't be on the taxi squad. It wasn't worth me being on the, that we had taxi squads at that time. Sure. Just for COVID for stuff. COVID, yeah. yeah, they had that so in baseball too. I couldn't be on the taxi squad because of, the way they, they did the rules, like my cap hit was too high. They couldn't recall me on an emergency basis. So even if someone got COVID, like I wouldn't be one of the guys that could go up and get called up. And then they their minor league team, they wanted the young guys to play. So I ended up skating by myself. Um, and I had I had uh, another guy who come out and help me out. Um, a guy, former guy that he, well, he worked with the team, but. Uh, I'd played with him in the past. So he would come out and I skated by myself that whole year. So I would text the GM the night before and I'd say, Hey, like, can I skate tomorrow? What time is ice? And he'd text me back. This is when you can skate. It's okay. And you'd be there by yourself. By myself. Yeah. And you're just like putting yourself through like drills. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the whole year. Yeah. I mean, what? Well, Cause I started thinking about, did the thoughts of like, I am going to throw in the towel, like, did that come up? And if it did, how'd you keep that at bay? How'd you work through that? Um, so I, there's two things, I guess. I, it, in my mind, it was an opportunity for me to get my knees healthy and my more my left knee. Cause that was the bigger injury to get my, my left knee healthy and use that time to kind of like, go ground up with my body, mm -hmm. um, which I did. And, and then I just worked on skill stuff mm. on the ice. And, and I, I fortunate enough to work with, um, Adam Oates, who's who former NHLer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. Um, and, and has like a unique skill of teaching, teaching skills in hockey. Like someone he's kind of, it's a different view than most people have of how to, how to, teach hockey skills and, and just different ways to work on it. So I, I was doing his stuff and it was, it was one of those things where someone teaches you how to do something at your, at, you know, at that age, I was 35 years old I, or 34. Um, and I was like, Oh, like 
you don't normally learn new stuff at that age. Mm. So I was intrigued by that and the stuff that I was getting from him. And that was enough for me to go on the, like go on the ice every day mm. and be like, okay, I can work on this. Like I can get better at this. And he yeah. wasn't working for any team. He just was. Yeah. He's like a, yeah, he's yeah, right. I he's on it. his own. So he does skill stuff with a bunch of different guys across the league. And so, yeah, so I, I did his stuff every day. So I ran my own stuff. I had, had someone there to pass me pucks and if I, I needed that aspect, but I would yeah, do that. I would skate to stay in shape and for a year for a year for a whole season and whole season yeah so what was interesting too is like we um so most people i think would would think oh i just got to get through this mm -hmm. but that wasn't our approach that wasn't your approach no um no it wasn't i i i wanted to use that time to my advantage I didn't want to just waste it. And mm -hmm. then the other side of it, I, I remember having this conversation with Dan too, and this was the start of 1616 and what I'm doing with the foundation with my wife. But he was like, Hey, like after this year, like, what do you, do you want to just look back and be like, Oh, I just wasted a year. Or do you want to make this time count? Um, so, you know, so again, like he laid it out for me and I was like, Oh, it's an easy choice. Like I want to do some powerful things with this time. So we literally started to build a, a program from the ground up. Um, which, which, uh, was great for my, just getting away from it and having something else to, to feel like I was, um, had purpose basically. And then I had the time at the rink, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting time because it was COVID. So everybody was already isolated and then you go to the, go to the rink and there's no one there. Um, so you you were isolated on top of being isolated mm -hmm. for sure. And I mean, in that aspect, you feel like an outcast already anyways. It's like any, any guy who's been sent to the minors, like the, the minute they're like, Hey, like you're, you're being sent down. You're, you feel like you shouldn't be there. Right. So I already had that feeling. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah, it was tough, man. It was like day in, day out. It was, it was a grind going there. So I had to find something that I was giving me purpose within that moment and i think for me it was like can i get better can i get healthy mm -hmm. and then the the foundation the program and and thinking hey like, i'm building something here want to toot your horn a little bit what were you laughing at well i was just gonna say you know we talk about talk about you can't prepare for certain things so it's yeah. like all the things that it seemed like were coming at you that you couldn't there's no way to to set somebody up for all these hits you yeah. know and on top of that a pandemic <laughs> yeah <laughs> on top of that, you, you know, you're getting older. And as an athlete, that's a part of the situation too, right? Like there's so many things that are coming at you. And it just, uh, it's almost like the visual of you being this like relentless force who's like, I'm going to keep showing up. Like I'm going to keep showing up. And and like um, watching, not only watching it, but being in it with you. Um, and that and that season. And, and, and to be fair, like we all go through see versions of that, whether you're an athlete or not in life, like whether someone's suffering or like there's just seasons of our life when um, you showing up is the hardest yeah. thing. It seems like the hardest thing to do, but when you start doing it and Andrew was so um, committed, not only to his foundation and developing that and, and even some deeper conversations around why, but also his, like his kids. Like mm -hmm. I remember, I remember you sending video, you would send videos. He would, he would make Andrew would make videos for himself just to like, look at himself Look at, look at the sweat, look at the, look at the passion, look at the drive. Like I am still this person. And then, and then, you know, to, to be playful with his kids um, and his kids are a riot. Uh, but just, 
to think, oh, I, I want to be a good dad and a good husband when I get home. And I remember that being a part of those conversations. Like I'm going to become a better father and a better husband in the midst of this too. And I think that's the thing is part of why we wanted to do this is you put in so much work and without knowing you fully, right? It's, it's evident that you put in so much work before people were watching, you know, you put in a lot of invisible work, unseen work. And, and it seems like that's why you were able to keep pushing in the midst, in the midst of so much adversity. Yeah, I, I would say I didn't have an ego while I was going through it. And that's not to say the whole time I didn't yeah, have moments right. where I was like, you know, screw this. We definitely I'm had put in my time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't need to deal with this shit, right? You have those moments, but and I think that's why it's important to have strong people around you to put things in perspective of like, hey, you're, you know, you're, you're being entitled little right now. Yeah. Like, you know, stop. So whether that was Dan or that was my wife or whoever was there, like you need, you're going to have those moments. Yeah. And I think that's important to, to understand like that comes and those are the thoughts that are, you know, you battle with and people battle with day in, day out. So the, having the right people around you to, to help you stay on course was, you know, was super valuable for me. And I'm sure a lot of people going through anything. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the thing, cause you could have doubled down you, cause you shared the point where your wife's like, Hey, you need. Yeah. Get a little extra help. You could have been like, who Who do you think you are? Don't tell me I'm I'm the professional, right? But just the willingness to open yourself up and say, okay, yeah. And let me take that step and let me take the next step and the next step. I mean, even, you know, we had another conversation uh, with a guest who he's like at the age of 51, I'm, I'm learning new things right now. And that is a humility that I think you share mm -hmm. together to say, what if I'm, um, I don't have it all together, even though if I think I do, there's something new for me to learn. There's a way that I can change. There's a way that I can grow. And I want to be open to that conversation. Yeah, I think you have to be. And I think, I mean, it's, it's the evolution of, you know, getting older and understanding the value in that for sure. And I think as a younger player, you're caught up in the moment and things are going well it's easy to think like hey this is gonna this is gonna last and i can ride this as long as i can at novus global we have a saying everyone has a next level and no one gets there by themselves if you're listening to this you can probably think of what's next for you what's next for your relationships what's next for your career or your leadership or teams you probably have this sense that you're capable of more but are maybe nervous about the work it might require or whether you truly have what it takes well that's where novus global comes in novus global is a community of some of the best executive coaches in the world we work with leaders of multi-billion dollar companies some of those famous athletes elected officials and household names in the world of entertainment we know how to work with the best and help them get even better. And we'd love to explore what that would look like for you. To set up a free introductory call to see if coaching is the right fit for you, just go to novus.global forward slash begin. And you can do a video conference call with a coach from our team who will help you explore what you're really looking for. That's novus.global, N-O-V-U-S.global forward slash begin. Start your next level with one of our coaches today. Um, I'm just curious too, just to stop there for a second. Like if you could grab some of your younger teammates and just grab them by the shoulders and say something to them like in a in a you know like normally we're like oh just what would you say what would you just be like hey you need don't forget you know like what are those you would say stuff? don't eat chicago deep dish. yeah yeah <laughs> or get smothered by a piece of pizza yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll kill you yeah um, um i don't know part of me wants to say you know i wouldn't say anything because i think you have to go through it mm. a little bit yourself 
Uh, and I think that's why it's important to have, have good people around you. Um, and I think sometimes the toughest thing, and I, you know, when you have kids is, is not doing everything for them, allowing them to this make those wise. mistakes, yeah. too wise, make the mistakes yeah. and then be there in those times to guide them, yeah. you know, after, or be there to like, you know, you know, whether that's a hug or, um, you know, whatever they need in that moment. I mm -hmm. think sometimes that's more important. So as like an older leader now, it's kind of being there in those moments to say, Hey, like that, you know, this happens. So where do you go from here? Yeah. Like what, you know, how do, how do we proceed and, and not make that same mistake again? There's a, so what he just said is so interesting. There's a difference between trying to do something for the other person mm -hmm. and like, all right, I want to prevent this from ever happening yeah. to you. So let me like surround you with these bumpers and make sure it doesn't. But what we can do is we can basically either provide them with the tools so in the event that it happens, they can deal with it or provide them with the tools so that in the moment when it happens, there are things set up Resources. that they yeah. can rely on yeah. to help them get through it. Like you're fortunate that you had Dan through this other teammate. What about the guy who doesn't? What about the guy yeah. who doesn't think I have some control over this? Let me, let me put my energy there yeah. and instead goes the other way and maybe he – starts to drink more. Yeah, He's oh, lonely and like, that's where it yeah. takes him, right? Yeah. Um, I'm like dying to find out the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> and well, uh, come well, back now, for part two. And now Andrew's here. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it ends. Uh, no, well, well, and one last, and then we, yeah, let's. Well, I think the, the important thing, and there's two things that kept me going. One was I wanted to get to a thousand games. How many games were you at at that point? So at the start of that four year. Well, when process, he met you, it was, yeah. it was 996. Yeah. <laughs> 999. But I was at, I was at eight, I was at 920 games four years ago. When mm. we met. When we met. Yeah. And Dan got me to 924. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was, so, so that was, I, I wanted to get to a thousand games. Um, so that was the one goal that kept me going. Um, how many and and I don't know if you know the numbers, but how many players in the league his, in the history of the league have played a thousand games? Oh, three hundred seventy. Wow, three hundred seventy players. Andrews, a two-time Stanley Cup champion, has been a captain and has played a thousand games. Guess how many guys have done that? Eighty-nine, fifty, fifty wow. guys, yeah. fifty guys in the history of the league. He's played okay. a thousand more games than I have. <laughs> yeah. Thousand one, <laughs> um, and I, the other part of it was I knew with the salary cap, like eventually it was going to strangle them to the point where they could just have to get rid of me. Right. Um. So I was like, hey, I'll uh, you know I'll be a good soldier, show up and be a positive influence on whoever I'm with, and then eventually, hopefully, I'll get the opportunity to play somewhere else. And that opportunity came in the summer. Um. They traded me to Arizona, and this year I got to play my thousandth game so you have what's the total right now thousand one thousand one thousand one yeah wait so what is the most games played oh 1700 ish by patrick marlo right marlo yeah, yeah. marlo has a record that that guy yeah. i'm pretty sure he's i would have thought like yarmer yager <laughs> had it this you know, guy he's isn't he still played, playing yes but he's yeah. played more professional <laughs> games but not in the nhl yeah, he, oh god okay. yeah. he was over in europe went to russia for a little while oh, okay came back stuff, yeah but. he's at like five thousand yeah. he's, he's, he's ten thousand yeah. games yeah. <laughs> i can't i can't imagine yeah yeah, I, I think he I think all he does is hockey, literally. Like there's nothing else going on. So. Yeah, he's he's playing in like what would be the equivalent of the Champions League in uh in, the in golf. Oh no, yeah. He's yeah, playing yeah. that that version <laughs> in uh over here. Yeah. 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 
a thousand and one games. Uh, well, congrats. That's that's quite yeah, that's, the uh, accomplishment. Thanks. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's it's to get there after all the yeah, you know, the last four years. I think made it even more meaningful. And Dan can keep his job. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yeah, he was. He was, close I was, to he was sweating I was, there. For I was a in the while. box for the the game before. Don't get hurt. <laughs> yeah, actually, but that's a part of the story that oh, is that important. One. So, um, how many games was it? Nine ninety two. So I was at nine ninety two. And I hurt my knee. Oh, Again. so like my I had two meniscal surgeries on my right knee, um, and then this year they're like basically there's nothing left. It just the whole thing just tore. And yeah, it was done. Wow. Tape it up. So I had, yeah. So but it was jammed. <laughs> so they had to take it out. Oh, so it was six weeks. So it came back with twelve games left, maybe twelve games in the season. Twelve games, and he had to play eight of them. And I had to play eight. I got sick twice. How much pain were you in? I had to drain my knee every second day. Oh, wow. And I was hot. There's a few. I was hobbling for the few. I like, remember talking to you yeah. and you were like getting ready to go to the thousandth game. I remember this. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was, uh, yeah. Well, and, and after you, so after you got hurt, like what ran through your head, Andrew, I know, but what ran through your head when you got hurt? Oh, like when game? I, when I first, like as soon as, cause I, I've done it before. So I came off the ice and I was. You knew immediately. Yeah. I was ball, like balling my eyes out there. Yeah. I was like, that's it. It's over. That was the last one. Eight games. Um, eight, eight, game eight, eight games. Eight games. Eight games. And I remember um, calling you, or you called, I can't remember who called who, but and and having a conversation of like, we don't know what we don't know right now. Yeah. You you could be done, but let's wait for tomorrow and get the get the the, the tests and all that stuff done. Uh, and then they gave him those two options have surgery, pull it out and you'll be ready in six, like four to six weeks. Yeah. And we both bet on the fact that he could probably get better a little faster than that. I think we both were wrong on that one, Yeah. <laughs> but to, to be able to, to be able to come back for those last two weeks with 12 games left in the season, you have to get eight of them. And I haven't seen somebody, um, more committed mm -hmm. in pain. I have a couple other players who are going through stuff like this in their, their careers, but not like Andrew. Um, and, and thankful to the Arizona Coyotes for, yeah, I was just going to say that too. Yeah. Yeah. For giving, for, for honoring, um, a commitment, um, and honoring your commitment to, to getting there. So, yeah, no, for sure. They were, they were great to me. And you, since I got there, it was, it was nice a, to get a second chance. I don't know if they knew what they were quite getting. <laughs> um, I think they're pleasantly surprised, but, uh, you know, do you have the opportunity to play again this year? And, and we had a young team to be in that mental role at this level was, was, uh, it was fun, man. It was like, you know, it was made everything and I wouldn't change anything. Mm. Like I've had so much growth over these last four years from all this mm. that I'd be like, I would never not want to go through it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it really drives home. Like, Hey, in these, these tough moments, like it's really such an opportunity to, to learn so much about yourself, which is, uh, I definitely did. Was it's there, an, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Was there ever a moment in the last eight games that you were able to like appreciate? Like, were you feeling different in the middle of a game, right? Knowing that you're about to accomplish this feat and. Oh man, that's a good question. I was so like, <laughs> I was, there was a few games where I was like, I don't know if I can, oh, wow. I, I can get there. So, so it, was um, like survival it was a little bit survival, but like definitely like my thousandth game thousand. So everyone down was there for my thousandth. I had my whole family there. Yeah. 
Um, I think those two games and just being able to express my appreciation for everyone that helped get me to that point. Cause they, I mean, they all go through it too with you, right? It's sure. like they feel all your emotion, they feel all your pain and, and, um, it's, it's harder when you're not there day in, day out. So whether it's my parents and they're not getting phone calls from me for three weeks, cause I'm, you know, yeah, you know, they're just, it, it's, uh, I'm so solely focused on other things or have other, other stuff going on. I know as parents, they, they would worry and my brothers would worry. Um, so to be able to, to cross that off the list and have everyone there was, it was special, man. Like mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's well, such a, a big thing to have everyone that helps you you know, get along the way yeah. when it was, it was really cool. Just a couple notes and then we have to wrap, but, um, uh, Andrew's thousands game was against the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who he, and what was neat about that was your first game back from injury was in Chicago and you got to, um, uh, you were there for Jonathan Taves thousand, yeah. thousandth as well. So in the same, they, you guys were able to be at each other's thousands, which was, I thought, I thought really poetic. That is cool. Well, so can you be here for our thousandth podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, considering yeah, this I mean, is, I don't know where I'll be in ten this years. Is number four. <laughs> ten years. Yeah. No, Andrew. I, I, um, like I, I speak uh, both as a friend and as someone who gets to serve you. Um, I just want to thank you for telling your your story and sharing that with us. And I honestly, like, I just want young athletes and pros who are getting started and guys, veterans who are tired and like to see and hear the story because. Um, it's such a testament, not only to like the work that Joe and I do, but, um, uh, a testament to who you are and, and the, the parts of humanity, um, that makes us human that are inspiring. Uh, and so I, you've deeply inspired me and I've said that to you before, but, um, I love you a lot (laughs) and I love your story a lot. Um, and we'll cut that out. Um, but, uh, (laughs) uh, but yeah, man, thanks so much for being here and, and, and taking time today and. And be with us. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I think the cool thing about this whole process is is understanding the impact that you know your story can have on other people. Right. And it's the more I've told it, the more engaged <laughs> I think people have gotten with me in terms of telling me their story and, and what's going on with them. And I, I really think you know, um, you know, guys, guys, I think have a have a tough time. They have these thoughts going around in their head, and most most of them don't don't take the time to slow down and think about them. But when you do, it's, it's, it's pretty impactful on, on your day-to-day life and, and even, you know, your performance as well. Yeah. And to me, you're the prototype of what actually I feel like is the heart and soul of this show. Cause it's helping people understand so much is going to come at you and you don't know what direction, you don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know what it's going to feel like, but if you're really prepared to be a certain type of person, you'll get through it and you, and you'll be better on the other end. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's so true. It actually like the their our our program with sixteen sixteen is is we found this this cool story about a the buffalo are the only animal that when a storm hits they go into the storm, mm. so they get through it quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, as soon as I heard that story, I was like, oh, it was it was they they coined the term buffalo in sixteen sixteen, so the program is named after that story. But as soon as I heard, it, I was like, that's that's been like the my motto these last four years that just you go through it you'll get through it quicker and and uh come out better on the other side i love it just so happens andrew's number is 16 as well yes so it's like meta but oh, maybe this is shoot. a simulation that's it. extremely <laughs> meta it's extremely, extremely meta. meta matt johan andrew 
guys, this was great. We did it. Thanks for being together. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Much love. Much love. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for a Novus Global Sport episode on the Beyond High Performance channel. Our producer for this show was Ivan Lasarde, sound engineering by Eugene Laflu, technical production by KF Chacon, edited and mixed by Ivan Lasarde. All right, we have a few more things to let you know about before you go. First, podcast reviews really help us serve more people. So if this podcast is helpful for you, we'd love your help to get it into the hands of as many leaders as possible. Please leave us a review, even if it's not five stars. And if you really want to go the extra mile, let us know what you'd like to hear about more of or what you think we could do better to serve you and the people that you care about. We drop new episodes every week, so subscribe and watch us continue to learn to create resources that serve you powerfully. Speaking of resources, we have a lot online and they're all free. We have free assessments, educational videos, articles from sources like Fast Company written by our coaches and clients, all designed to help you use our tools in your everyday life and leadership. To dive into the free treasure trove of goodies we have for you, go to novus.global and then click on resources. Some of you have been listening for a while and you haven't yet taken that next step to hire a coach. This is your time. I can't tell you how often I've heard from hundreds of clients around the world that they wish they would have talked to us sooner. If you have a sense that you're capable of more, we would be thrilled to explore what coaching could do for you and those you influence. To start that journey, simply email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. You also might be listening to this and maybe you want to be a coach or maybe you already are a coach and you want to build a six or seven figure practice coaching people you love in a way that brings life to you and your clients. Well, that's why we created the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. It is an in-depth coaching apprenticeship designed to help you create the coaching practice of your dreams. The first step in exploring that is simple. Just go to www.mp.institute. That's www.mp, as in meta performance, .institute. And we have free assessments to help you see what kind of training you'd need to create a meta performing coaching practice the way our coaches do at Novus Global. Head on over today. Thank you so much for listening. We love making these for you. And remember, dare to go beyond high performance. <laughs>